17, if you want to turn there in your Bibles, and we'll read a few verses of Scripture there. <clears throat> you pray for me. I've had a lot of voice trouble, and it seems like my headaches have returned. And so pray, pray much for me about that. <clears throat> but uh, I want to try to bring a message this morning on God's Word is perfect. God's Word is perfect. A lot of people don't believe that. Uh, but you know why they don't believe it? Because there's so many Bibles out there. When I say that God's Word is perfect, I talk about the one that I have here, the old King James 1611 Authorized Version Bible. The Word is perfect. Nothing wrong with it. I don't understand it all. There's things I find in there. I say, I got to go back and read that again. You know, I, did, I didn't catch it the first time. And maybe didn't catch it the second time. But the third or fourth time, I'd catch what God was trying to tell me. Maybe I'm the only one that's that way. Psalm 17 and verse number 7. The Bible says in Psalm 17, verse 7, Shew thy marvelous loving kindness, O thou that savest by thy right hand, with, the, with which put their trust in thee from those that rise up against them. Keep me as the apple of his eye. Hide me from others, shadow of thy wings. For, from the wicked that oppress me, from my deadly enemies who compass me about, they are enclosed in their own fat with their mouth, they speak proudly. They have now compassed us in our steps. They have set their eyes bowing down to the earth. I want to look at this scripture today and, and read some more scripture to you. The Bible says there in, in the word of God, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired than, they, than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is a great reward. Let's stand and go to God the word of prayer. Just pray for me and pray that God would use this word today uh, to convict the lost. And if you're here today and you're not saved or listen, put it off till tonight, you may not be alive when the, when the night service comes. And so I ask you to just do what God would have you to do. Heavenly Father, we're thankful today to be able to be in this place. We're thankful today for the Word of God. We're thankful, Lord, for uh, everybody that's listening and everybody that's here in our presence and those that are listening online. And God, I just pray that you just touch people's hearts today in a, in a special, special way. I pray, God, that you speak to them, Lord, and, and just trouble their soul to the place that they just got to run to you, Lord, and, and throw themselves upon your mercy and upon your grace. Lord, we just love you today. We thank you for saving me today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, as I begin to think about the scripture here that I read, everything in life has flaws. That is, everything except the Bible. God's Word is perfect in three distinct reasons, and these reasons will change the way that you look at the Bible. God's Word, first of all, is perfect because its author is perfect. You say, you mean all the men that wrote it down was perfect? No, they weren't the author. The author was God Almighty. Uh, in, in Deuteronomy 32, verse 4, it says, He is the rock. His work is perfect. All His ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is He. Like a rock, our God that we serve is firm and immovable. His work has always been perfect from the very, very beginning of time. Like a rock, He's not changed. I was raised on a farm, and uh, the rocks are still there. My dad used to say, Son, I didn't put them there. I'm not moving them. <laughs> Uh, change mics? 
Boy, you know how to mess a guy up, don't you? <laughs> okay. If you insist, there you go. Thank you. All right. A slight hesitation. Whoop. Slight hesitation in the service this morning. Yeah. I'm going to preach on a yo-yo here in just a minute. A lot of people are like a yo-yo, up and down, up and down, up and down. They're in for Christ one Sunday, and next Sunday you couldn't find them. The FBI couldn't find them. All right, let's try this. Like a rock, God is firm and immovable. His work has always been perfect. Have you thought about His work in creation? Perfect. You know, man, He, he makes something, and the first thing, first thing He makes, He probably has to throw away or He has to change it. Like a rock, God has not changed. He's still perfect today. Man, however, is like a wave of the sea. He's fickle. He's up one day and down the next, like a yo-yo. Up and down, up and down, up and down. Anything God makes is perfect. When God made man, man was perfect and sinless. It was man that took the matters into his own hands that caused his demise and caused him to fall into sin. And because of that, man became imperfect and sinful. Anything man makes is imperfect. Man cannot and will never be able to make anything that's perfect. Let me give you some examples. Let's say you go out this week and you begin to build a new house. Well, that's, all, that's great until the payments come due. But anyway, uh, you're building a new house. And what happens is eventually it will need some repair. Eventually a big wind will come through and loosen your shingles on your roof. Or eventually uh, your roof will begin to leak or the windows will need repaired or, or the doors will need to be repaired. And so... Even though it's new today, it doesn't mean it's going to be new forever. The automobile breaks down. Today it needs a muffler. Tomorrow it needs brakes. Next day the engine goes bad. I remember coming into town a few years ago. I just right outside of town about two miles and I drive an old Mercury and all of a sudden the engine began to make a noise. Well, it was shot. So I went car shopping. Anyway, the engine goes bad. The transmission starts to slip. The tires are wore out. The telephone you have, you lose your connection. Remember the advertisement, can you hear me now? Yeah, well, our phones don't get hard at any reception down where I live. So if you call us, don't, don't be surprised if we don't answer the phone because it may not ring. The computer gets bugs and viruses in it and becomes outdated. The light bulb burns out. The television screen loses its clarity. And that's only the beginning. Everything that man makes wears out, rusts out, tears up, or quits working. And man cannot make anything perfect because it goes against his very nature. And what I mean by that is simply this. God can't make anything imperfect because it goes against his nature. Let me tell you a true story. After a, a story of a pianist. After long absence from the stage, pianist Vladimir Horowitz was to perform in Chicago. Frank Moltz, the chief concert technician for Steinway & Sons, was assigned to make sure the piano was in perfect condition. Otherwise, he would come out before the uh, service started and he would play the piano. He had a fine-tuned ear. He knew if it was in tune and so forth. And so he got all that taken care of. And then uh, after the pianist came out and played, he left the stage, but he didn't return. Everybody began to wonder what happened to, the, what happened to uh, Mr. Horowitz. Where did he go? Well, they finally found him sitting back there, and he said, I can't play. He said, what's the matter? He said, well, the piano stool is far too high. Now, get this, the piano stool, far too high. And so, Moore nervously inquired about the size of the problem. Horwitz held up his hand, his thumb, and forefinger about a quarter inch apart, 
And he had spent all his time tuning the piano, but never thought about setting the piano bench to where the man would like to have it set. So he was a perfectionist. Let me tell you somebody else that's a perfectionist. That's Almighty God. Everything he made was absolutely perfect. His word is absolutely perfect. I want to I want to share something with you today about his word. God's word is perfect in three words. First of all, God's word is perfect in being flawless. flawless. Psalms 119, 160. Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. Man's inventions start as a rough piece of work, but God starts with perfection. I want you to think about this. Man's inventions start with a rough piece of work and may get better over time, but when God speaks the word, it is perfect the first time. Amen. If a jet, if a rocket's trajectory is off an inch after going up for thousands of miles, it would be a way off course. If God made a mistake back in the beginning of time, he would be a way off course and everyone would know it. But God got it right the first time because he is perfect. God's word is flawless in his conception. Amen. I mean, it all, this Bible here, I know that there was many different offers that pinned it down under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. We're going to get that in a little bit. But let me tell you something. God's word is flawless in its conception. Flawless in its inspiration. Flawless in its inerrancy. Perfect in preservation. God created the perfect word that he knew man would need. But man in his sinful mind did not think the King James Bible was good enough. So what did he do? He went out and, and got 200 different the translation of the Bible. Yeah, yeah. Now you think the service was long last week when your pastor was up here. If I'd have brought you 200 examples of what was wrong with the other versions of the Bible, you'd probably stone me when I left this place. But listen to me. They're all different. And they're not all perfect. They're not all perfect. For man added to them and man also took away from them. Let's compare just three or four. Acts chapter 8, verse 37. King James says, And Philip, if thou believest all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now, let me set the scene. Uh, Philip did up in, in Samaria, preaching a great revival, having great results, people being saved, people being healed, and so forth. And he's having great results. And, he, and the Holy Spirit of God swept him away from there and put him out there in the desert. And out in the desert, he finds a man sitting out there in a chariot and he's wondering what he's reading. And he said, how can I know what I'm reading except, except some man help me? And so uh, in the New Astral Version, the Scripture's not even there. Yeah. What do you think about that? The message says this. They continued down the road. They came to a stream of water. The eunuch said, here's water. Why can't I be baptized? Verse 37 there is omitted. He ordered the chariot to stop. They both went down to the water. Philip baptized him on the spot. He goes ahead and says this, And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of God suddenly took Philip off, and that was the last the eunuch saw of him. But he didn't mind. He had what he'd come for. He went down the road as happy as he could be. The English Standard Version is not there. The Darby translation is not there. Many translations leave out the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Proverbs 30 and verse 5 says, Every word of God is pure. Amen. Every word. Pure means to, to fuse or to refine. Every word of God is refined to perfection. What if we just had one word wrong in the Bible? Then the word wouldn't be perfect. It would have one spot of imperfection. On numerous occasions, man has taken what God has given us, twisted it to fit his sinful desires. Examples, God gave us creation. The greatest thing that God could have given mankind was he was created. Created in the image of God. Made, made from dirt. 
Bible said that God formed Adam out of the dust of the ground, breathing his life, the, the, the breath of life into nostrils, and man became a living soul. What did man do? Man said, that ain't good enough. We're going to bring evolution. And then something else. God gave us marriage. Nothing on this side of heaven any greater than marriage, or should be, between one man and one woman. What did man do? Man twisted it. He said, you don't need to get married. Just live together. Or he said, hey, man can live with a man. Woman can live with a woman. Same-sex marriage. Man has taken what God has created, and God said it was good, and man has twisted it and messed it up. What did Spurgeon say about men changing God's word? i read to you what he said. Pity they that were not born when God lived. Far, far back that they might have taught God how to write. Oh, impudence beyond all bounds. Oh, full-blown self-conceit. To attempt to dictate to the all-wise, to teach the omniscient, and instruct the eternal. Strange that there should be men so vile as to use the penknife of Jehoiakim to cut passages of the word because they were unpalatable. Oh, yea, oh, yea, who dislike certain portions of the holy writ, rest assured that your taste is corrupt and that God will not stay for your little opinion. Amen. Matthew five eighteen says, For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. Amen. The word jot there means iota. It means the smallest letter of the Greek alphabet. And then a tittle is a marking like a, a cross on the letter T or the dot on the letter I. That's how small uh, that a jot and a tittles are. But every jot and every tittle of God's word is perfect. Jesus Christ is saying that his word will never change. Amen. There was a story about a wealthy woman who was traveling overseas. She saw a bracelet that she thought was just irresistible. So she sent her husband a telegram. I found a wonderful bracelet, priced $75,000. May I buy it? Well, if that had been sent to me, I'd have had a heart attack. $75,000. I want to show you how, how important the punctuation mark is. The husband promptly wired back this response, no, comma, price is too high. Well, the guy that was sending the information to the, to the husband forgot the comma. And so when, he, when she got it back, it said, no price too high. I wonder how well things went when she brought that necklace back to him. Look what I bought for the $75,000. Just a little comma. Just a little thing. Made a big difference, didn't it? Every part of God's Word down to the smallest detail is flawless. Secondly, God's Word is perfect in being fruitful. Why? Because it yields the truth. Amen. John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Sanctification is the same thing as consecration. We can only be consecrated to God through the truth of his word. God's word yields the truth because God's word is the truth. When the truth is sown in your heart, you will bear results in your life. The results will be perfect for the Bible perfectly converts. Perfectly quickens, perfectly convicts, perfectly cleanses, and perfectly conquers. The Bible has a lot to offer. It gives us perfect strength, perfect hope, perfect faith, perfect wisdom, perfect understanding, perfect light, perfect love, and offers perfect salvation from a perfect Savior. Don't tell me that this book is not a fruitful book. Charles Spurgeon also said this. He said, Oh, Bible, it cannot be said of any other book that it is perfect and pure. But of thee we can declare all wisdom is gathered up in thee without a particle of folly. 
This is the judge that ends the strife with where wit and reason fail. This is the book untainted by any error, but is pure, unalloyed, perfect truth. Why? Because God wrote it. Amen. God wrote it. Yes, man pinned it down, but God Almighty wrote it. He says, charge God with error if you please, but tell him, uh, tell him that this book is not what it ought to be. It's nothing but blasphemy. What fruit does the Bible yield? Well, it yields truth. Yes. If you want to know the truth about something, go to the Word of God. Amen. He yields trust. Yeah. Trust in Him. I know not long after my first wife passed away, one Sunday morning I brought a message in here on trusting God. And some of you might remember it. Some of you probably forgot it before you got out the door. But it was all from the book of Psalms. And many, many times God says, trust me, trust me, trust me. Trust me. And David went through that. They were trusting God. So it yields truth. It yields trust. It yields time. Isaiah 55, verse 10. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and make it break forth in bud, that it may give to the seed, to the sower, and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth out of my mouth, that shall not return unto me void, but shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. God himself stated that his word would be fruitful. Spend some time reading the word of God. You say, well, Brother Danny, when do you do that? Well, my family, uh, my, I got two sisters and a brother and me, and I can stay in bed about two hours at a time. My back gets hurt so bad, I got to get out of bed. I've come to find out my whole family's that way. And so if I go to bed at nine o'clock, I'll be up sometime between 11 and midnight and I'll go to my study and a lot of times I'll go ahead and post a, a uh, little deal on there. Uh, I try to put one on every day if I can. A little devotion. I do that and then I open God's Word and I begin to read and to study the Word of God. Now let me show, tell you something. God's Word is fruitful. If you'll spend time reading the Word, you'll come away from reading the Word and bearing fruit from the Word God's Word cannot return void. Do you want a prosperous life? Read the Word of God. Amen. You want a successful life? Read the Word of God. You want a fruit-filled life? Read the Word of God. Amen. Also, God's Word is perfect in being forever. I'm talking about preservation. Inspired, yes. Possible, absolutely. But Psalm 119.89 says, Forever, O Lord, Thy Word is settled in heaven. God settled His Word a long time ago. Right now, His Word is forever settled in heaven. It will always be settled in heaven. It will last for all eternity. Amen. People say, well, I don't like to read the Word of God. Well, you won't like heaven then. Because that's where the Word of God is settled into. It will last for all eternity. Get used to reading it now. God's Word will forever stand. It will forever shine. It will forever proclaim the truth of His Word. Your soul will last forever. Now, your soul is not perfect. Not yet. When you get to heaven, the perfect Savior will make you perfect also. Sinful man did not always think the Bible would last forever. In fact, some people tried to destroy the Bible. Yeah. Voluntaire tried that in the 1700s, a French writer, stated that in 100 years, the Bible will not exist. Oh, how wrong he was. Shortly after he died in 1778, Geneva Bible Society purchased his home to print Bibles. <laughs> That's almost humorous, isn't it? Yeah. Word of God going to be gone in 100 years. Yeah. 
No, they're going to use your home to print more Bibles. God is faithful to preserve His Word, will continue to preserve it. Psalms 12, 6 and 7. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. The wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. Boy, I tell you what. Pure words. Tried seven times as, as silver tried in the fire. For centuries, God protected and guarded His Word for those who wanted to destroy it. God met, used men like William Tyndale to translate the Word and to keep it moving. God has given us a perfect testimony because His Word is with us. He preserved it. You hold within your hands, if you have the King James Bible, the eternal book, the eternal Word of God. Famous quotes, George Washington said this, it's impossible to rightly govern uh, without God in the Bible. Ronald Reagan said this, within the covers of one single book, the Bible are all the answers to all the problems that face us today. If only we would read them and believe. Amen. Amy Carmichael said this, never let good books take the place of the Bible. Drink from the well, not from the streams that flow from the well. Ulysses S. Grant said this, hold fast to the Bible as a sheet anchor of your liberties. Write its precepts in your heart and practice them in your lives. These people, and I just mentioned a few, but these people realize that the Bible is an eternal book. It is forever settled in heaven. It's preserved forever. It will live forever. It will shine forever. It is perfect forever. So what we can learn, what can we learn from this perfect book? Well, everything. We have everything to gain, nothing to lose. We have everything to learn. Why should we read the Bible? The Bible said in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scriptures given by inspiration of God. That word inspiration means God breathed. I can see the Apostle Paul as he sat there in the Philippian jail. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit of God began to breathe upon him and move upon him. And he began to write the Word of God. All Scripture given by inspiration of God is proper for doctrine. So I want to hear about doctrine. Well, you need to hear about it. You need to know what Bible doctrine is. For reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The Word of God can make you perfect because it is perfect. And because its perfect roots are planted in your heart, you can be perfectly sure that the perfect fruit will grow on the vines. Yeah. T. Hall said about the Bible, here's fruit for the hungry. Here's water for the thirsty. Here's wine for the wearied. Here's bread for the weak. Here's raiment for the naked. Gold for the poor. I say for the blind. And physic for the sick. If thy heart be dead, this will quicken thee. If thy heart be hard, it will soften it. If dull, it will revive it. In all of our temptations, this is David's heart that helpeth to steal them. We should therefore with joy, and this is scriptural, we should therefore with joy draw water out of these wells of salvation. Reg, you've preached on that before. And probably a lot of other preachers, maybe that's here today, have too. We see how worldlies delight to view their bills and bonds, their leases and indentures by which they hold their lands and livings. Shall we not delight to study the scripture which assures us of never failing riches? Matthew 5, 48, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father, which in heaven is perfect. What if you could get 99%? Would that be good enough? Let me share something with you. If you could get 99% of phone service, you would be with that phone service for 15 minutes a day. If 99% were good enough, 1.7 million pieces of first-class mail would be lost each day. 
if you could get 99% good enough, 35,000 newborn babies were dropped by doctors and nurses each year. I wonder what happened to some of you. Been dropped by the doctor. If you get 99% were good enough, 200,000 people would get the wrong drug prescriptions each year. If 99% were good enough, unsafe drinking water, you'd get that three days a year. If 99% were good enough, three misspelled words on the average type of page every day. If you'd get 99%, if it was good enough, two million people would die from food poisoning each year. You see, it's not enough to strive for a 99% perfection or standard. You go for the gold. How much of the Word of God do you read? I'm going to ask you to tell me how many chapters and how many verses and what books you read it from, but how much of the Word of God do you read? How much do you memorize? How much do you write down? How much do you care? How much do you hide it? Do you read it? Do you live it? That's what I'm talking about today. If you learn the perfect Word of God, you'll live the perfect life. The Christian life is the perfect life to live. Set a, set a standard of maturity, and by the grace of God, you will obtain it. God's Word is perfect. Now, a lot of people will hear this message and say, no, God's Word's not perfect. Well, they're wrong. Amen. They're wrong, because God's Word is perfect. Amen. And we're proving that by the Scripture here tonight, today. So, as you leave this place today, settle in your heart and mind. I'm going to begin to read the Word of God. You notice I didn't have a raise of hands on who all reads the Word of God every day. I didn't come up here to embarrass anybody. But I do want to encourage you to read God's Word. When's the best time for you? Probably not between 10 o'clock at night and midnight, okay? Probably not. That's the best time for me. It's not the best time for my wife. She's sound asleep. I think an atomic bomb will go off and she wouldn't wake up. But she, you know what she does? First thing after breakfast... She goes on the couch. She grabs her Bible. She opens it up. And you might as well forget talking to her. She reads the Word of God. Amen. I'm a night person. I get up. I read it. Of a night, she reads it of a morning. I don't care when you read it. God doesn't care when you read it. Amen. But you need to read it. Amen. You need to memorize it. You need to study it. Get it down in your heart. Thank God for His Word today. Amen. Thank God for His Word. Stand with me, if you will, today.